What a privilege to be here this morning. What a great blessing to be in the house of the Lord, and we've enjoyed every bit of it. I'm sorry that I didn't last that long in Sunday school. I gave you more extra time in Sunday school, uh, but uh, next Sunday it'll be different. I've been taught, you know, that we we ought to stand up, speak up, and shut up. And maybe that's what I did in Sunday school this morning, and we were not real long. But what a blessing it is to be here this morning. And we've looked forward to it, of course, for several weeks of being here, and we just rejoice in the Lord. What a great, great blessing. Now, if the Lord works it out, next Sunday, I'm going to have something for the children before they go down to junior church. I love children. We have five children our own, we have 14 grandkids, and we have 30 great-grandkids. So many, many times in services that we hold in churches, we spend a few minutes with boys and girls because they're special. And I have a few object lessons, of course, that I share with them. And uh, next Sunday, if it works out with everyone, we'll do that just before they go down, of course, to junior church. What a thrill it is to be in the house of the Lord and a blessing to be here. Now, if you have your Bible this morning, turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and I want to begin reading with verse number 51. So if you have your Bible, you can open it and follow along, if you would like, as we read this morning from the wonderful, wonderful Word of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 Beginning with verse 51, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump. For the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption and this mortal shall I put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the, is, is the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Let's bow in prayer. Heavenly Father, what a great blessing to be here. What a blessing to be in Sunday school. What a blessing then in this morning's service to be part of the congregational singing and, uh, and the presented today by those that were playing the flutes. And then the special number that we've just heard. What a great, great blessing to be in the house of the Lord. And we're here this morning to give praise and honor and glory to Thee. Now, Lord, if there is someone here this morning that's not sure they're saved, would you show them today that you love them, and that Jesus died on the cross of Calvary and shed His precious blood that they might be saved. Then as Christians, help us to grow in grace and in the knowledge of of a wonderful Lord and Savior. And we'll praise you and love you. We pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Now, as I begin the message this morning, I want you to look at your watch. Not really to think what time it is, but rather to think with me about time. Because nearly everything that we do in life 
we're controlled by time. When we get up in the morning, of course, we look at the clock. And I'm sure we're especially aware of it this weekend because you should have turned your clock back one hour, back one hour, because of daylight saving time. But what a blessing to realize the subject of time. In every day, there are 24 hours, and in every hour, there are 60 minutes. There are 60 seconds in every minute. How many times have you used the expression, just a minute, or just a second? Now, we can't do much with either one of them. But the smallest particle of time is a moment. It's a fraction of a second. And I want us to look this morning at that word as it's found in the wonderful, wonderful word of God. The word uh, moment is found 21 times in the Bible. And if you were to take a concordance, you could look up, of course, the 21 times uh, references like this. For instance, in Exodus chapter 33 and verse 5, after Israel made the golden calf and they disobeyed God, Moses prayed for their forgiveness. But the Lord said to Israel, Ye are a stiff-necked people. I will come down into the midst of thee in a moment and consume thee. I read also in Job chapter 20 and verse 5, The joy of the hypocrite is but for a moment. In Job 21 and verse 13, In a moment they shall go down to the grave. And those are just a few of the references given in the Word of God concerning a moment. Now, in the message this morning, I want us to look at several things that last just a short quantity of time. A moment, just a short uh, portion of time. The first thing I want us to look at is the pleasures of sin are just for a moment. Now, most people today, at least outside of the church and the world, are living for the pleasure of sin. And the Bible is so clear concerning the fact that those pleasures last just a moment. They're short-lived. Now, to look for that in the Scripture, we go back to the first book of Genesis with Adam and Eve in the garden. And Adam and Eve were placed in that beautiful, beautiful garden. And God said to Adam and Eve, You can partake of the fruit of all the trees of the garden except one. I do not want you to partake of that one tree. Now, the reason God did that is because he wanted Adam and Eve to love him and to obey him. And so what happened? Adam and Eve were underneath that tree, and they looked up and they saw that fruit hanging there, and Eve looked at it, and it looked so delicious, so delicious, and she reached up and she pulled it off that limb and put it to her mouth and bit into it. And the pleasure of that bite lasted just a moment. Because the moment she bit into that, that fruit, she realized she was naked. She realized that she had disobeyed God. Disobeyed God. And as a result of that bite, we're experiencing the result of it today. As sin has been passed down from Adam and Eve uh, to us. Then I think of David. David, that great king of Israel. And the Bible tells us that David could have anything that he wanted. And yet David was up on the, on the flat roof and he was looking across the way and he saw a woman over there bathing herself. Now maybe she shouldn't have been bathing herself on that flat roof, but that was the custom back then, actually, that on the flat roof says what they did many things like that. And so David looked across the way and he saw this woman. 
And what he saw, he liked. What he saw, he liked. Now listen carefully. Men like what they see. Women like what they hear. And I challenge young people concerning that fact. Men like what they see. Women like what they hear. And David saw, and he liked what he saw. And the Bible says he sent for that woman. And when she came into the palace, he took her and had that relationship with her. And that moment of pleasure, listen, the result of that disobedience, the result of that sin came down to the very end of David's life until he cried out, cried out, Oh God, would to die, would to God I had died instead of Absalom. You see, dear friend, the pleasure of sin lasts just for a moment, but the result lasts throughout a lifetime. Oh, how important that we understand that truth today. Uh, uh, Now, the second thing, the pace of life can in a moment. The pace of life. Now, we have the idea that we have lots of time. Lots of time. But we don't. In James chapter 4, verse 14, the Bible says, What is your life? It's even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanisheth away. Now, as I think of that verse, I recall uh, memory. When I grew up and worked on a farm, we didn't have running water unless we ran after it. We didn't have air conditioning unless you opened up the windows. We didn't have any of those conveniences whatsoever. And I want to tell you, when I grew up and worked on a farm there in Wisconsin, it got cold, 20 and 30 below zero. And I remember it very, very well. And when I'd go to bed at night, I did not take my clothes off like some young people and adults do, and just throw them on the chair or on the floor. No, I put them underneath my pillow. And then in the morning, I would dress in bed, get my clothes on in bed, then carefully I'd get out of bed and go to the window and take my finger and scrape the ice off the inside of the window. Now, it's very cold, so the first thing we had to do was start a fire. We kept corn cobs, and, and, and kerosene. We take a couple of those uh, corn cobs and put them in the stove uh, with some kindling wood and light it. And then we would break the ice off the reservoir and fill up the tea kettle. And then all of us would stand in front of that stove. And I mean, pretty soon the flames would get high and that stove would begin to warm up and warm up and warm up. And as I watched, out of the spout of that tea kettle, there came a vapor. And I suppose many times I reached over and pinched it off. Because that's what God is talking about in James 4 and verse 14. What is your life? It's even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanisheth away. In Job 21 and verse 15, I read, They spend their days in wealth and in a moment go down to the grave. I read in Job 34 and verse 20, In a moment shall they die, and the people shall be troubled at midnight and pass away, and the mighty shall be taken away without hand. Oh, listen, every day, every day, every day, we read in the newspaper and hear on the news of individuals whose pace of life ended. It's ended. It's all over. It's all over. Oh, how we might be reminded of that. Might be reminded that I'm invited back to churches and I'll, uh, I'll have the privilege to be here next Sunday. But when I go back after a year or so to churches where I've been, I look over the auditorium and I, I can't always remember names, but I can remember faces. 
And I say to the pastor, where's that person? Didn't they used to be here? He said, yes, they used to be, but I had their funeral last week. You see, dear friend, the pace of life can end in a moment, in a moment. Now, the third thing I note in Scripture, the penalty of sin can come in a moment. Now, let me emphasize that, the penalty of sin. Somehow, people think there's no penalty, no penalty. Oh, listen, the Bible says in Romans 6 and verse 23, the wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is death. And we pick up that wage for the wages of sin. The wages of sin. Hebrews 9 and verse 27. It's appointed unto man once to die. And after this, the judgment. What's the judgment for? To give an account to God. In Luke chapter 12 and verse 16, we read that that man was prosperous and he said, I'm going to tear down my barns and build greater and build greater. And God came along and said, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. You see, there comes a time when we're going to be accountable to God. People have that, oh, listen, I can live as I please. I'm accountable. You're accountable to God. The very breath you have in your lungs, the very fact that your heart is beating today is a gift of God. And someday, we'll stand before God to give an account. The fourth thing I note in Scripture, the place where you spend eternity can come in a moment. Now, there's only two places. I read in in Luke chapter 16, it came to pass that Lazarus, the beggar, he didn't want much, he didn't eat much, but he was seated there outside the gate of the rich man. And the Bible says that all of a sudden he dropped over on the dirt and the angels were there to carry him home to glory. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that thrilling? I think of my dear mom. Uh, Dad left home when I was young with another woman. My mother came down with, back then, what was called creeping paralysis, so she couldn't take care of herself. She couldn't take care of anybody. And I remember well, whether everything, everything, everything we had to do for her. She couldn't walk unless you help her. She had locked jaw, and she would yawn, her jaws would lock open, and I'd have to put my thumbs inside her mouth and unlock the jaws. We, I, I, when we'd go outside, summer or winter, we always left the door open a bit. Uh, because she would get that little bell on the rocking chair and would ring it, and I'd run in and unlock her jaws. Oh, but listen, dear friend, the day came when she rolled off of that old rocking chair and got on her knees and received the Lord Jesus Christ, her Savior, laid aside a baptism certificate and was born again by the Spirit of God. But the day came at the age of 45 when the ambulance drove up in front of the house and took her to the Sacred Heart Hospital in Old Clare, and I stood beside her bed. And a doctor came in, and right up front, the doctor said to my mother, you're not going to make it till morning. You're not going to make it till morning. And she took my hand, said, Son, I want to tell you goodbye. I raced out of that room and sat in the hall, out in the hallway with tears, and a nurse came by to console me. And finally, after she gave me some uh, lunch, and so I said, I've got to get back to see my mom. And I raced down the hallway and entered the room. And just that quick, my mother had gone home to glory. Thank God she's at that place where there's no cripples. She's at that place where there's no lockjaw. She's at that place where nobody's going to help her. Her last stop was heaven. Oh, dear friend, I read though in Luke chapter 16 about the rich man. 
He had everything in this world, everything that money could buy. But the Bible says he also died and was buried and lift up his eyes and torment. Oh, dear friend, as we look at our watch, as we think of time, as we think of time, the place of sin lasts for a short time. The pace of life can end in a short time. Oh, dear friend, the penalty of sin can come in a moment. The place where you spend eternity can come in a moment. That's why we must be ready. Now, the last two things I want us to think on. Oh, we don't like to think about those four things that I just mentioned too much. But the last two things, think with me. Dear friend, this morning, the peace of God can be yours in a moment. The peace of God in salvation. John 3.16, For God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but everlasting life. How long does it take to believe? How long does it take to receive? Just a moment. And the peace of salvation can be ours. I was out calling with a pastor. And the pastor said, I want to tell you about the family we're calling on. The family that we're calling on, the man is unemployed. The man's a Vietnam veteran. And a couple weeks ago, they had an argument, him and his wife. And his wife said to her husband, I'm going to go home. I'm going to leave you for a while. I'm going to take the good girls and go home because I can't take the verbal abuse. I can't take the physical abuse. And that man went into the back bedroom and got a handgun. And he brought it out and he grabbed his wife by the arm and put the handgun to her head and said to his dear wife, if you ever walk out of that door, I'll follow you. I'll find you. I'll kill you. And that dear wife became a prisoner in her own house. I went in that house, sat around the table with that dear man who would begin to visit. I asked him, what do you do? Do you work? He said, no, I was just laid off. I said, you have any hobbies? You got anything to occupy him? And he jumped up from the table, went in the back room. I didn't know when he was going to the back room for the gun. But he came out with a piece of plywood about this square and a stack about this high. And he said, preacher, this is what I do. He would take a piece of plywood, burn a frame around the outside. Then he would glue a picture on it. Then up in the corner, he'd put a clock. And I was going through this stack, and I said, this is wonderful. I said, I'll take them with me. I'll sell them for you so you can get some money to buy groceries. And as I was going through that stack, I discovered this one. Jesus knocking at the door. And as we looked at that picture, I said to that dear man that put the handgun to his wife's head, I said, let me tell you the story. And I presented the fact of sin, that we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. And I said to that dear man, you know you're a sinner. You know your heart is wicked. He admitted it. He admitted it. Then I said, listen, God loves you. And Christ died on the cross of Calvary for you and shed his blood. And I said, sir, look at the picture. Just look at the Is there something missing on that picture? And he looked and looked and looked. I said, if you look carefully, there's no doorknob on the outside of the door. The door has to be opened from the inside. I said, sir, would you like to open the door? He said, yes, I would. And there around the kitchen table, that man bowed his head and opened the door. 
confessed his sin, repented of his sin, received the Lord Jesus Christ, and was born again by the Spirit of God. And that night, he was in church with his wife and two children and walked the aisle. The peace of God became his in salvation in a moment. Oh, that's what God's Word's talking about. Oh, but listen, there's something else about the peace of God, and that's with Christians. You know, it's so easy as a Christian to hang on unforgiven sin. It's so easy for us to hang on something. We know it's wrong. We know it's wrong. We know it's wrong. And I hear people say after the service, I should have gone forward tonight. I said, why didn't you do it? It's so easy to put it off. But dear friend, how long does it take to be forgiven? Listen, the Bible says in 1 John 1 and verse 9, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just forgives us and to cleanse us from all unright. If we confess, how long does it take to confess? Just a moment. Just a moment, that's all it takes. And He forgives and wipes it away as far as the east is from the west, buries the deepest sea, and he said, I'll remember it no more. Oh, I was preaching in one of the uh, mountain churches, and there was a man there that was an ornery, ornery, ornery uh, veterinarian. He got married some years ago, and his wife could only take him uh, for, uh, for a few months. She said, I can't stand you. She walked out, but he was in the service where I was preaching. And I gave the invitation, and that ornery, cantankerous veterinarian got saved, got gloriously saved. And every night, every night, every night, he came forward, not to be saved again, but he got on his knees at the altar, and he began to weep. He began to weep and ask God to forgive him. And here's what he said. He said, it's so wonderful to be forgiven. He said, I just come forward. You don't even have to come forward to do it. But he said, it's so wonderful when I come forward and confess a sin. It's so wonderful to be forgiven. The peace of God became his in a moment in forgiveness. How about you this morning? Oh, you need to be saved this morning? You need to be saved? In the next moment, you could be saved. Oh, not by baptism, not by church membership. Not by doing gore. No, 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 no. By simply receiving the Lord Jesus. For whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. We call, He saves us. Isn't that wonderful? Now if you're here and you need to be forgiven. Oh, listen. Confess that sin. Don't harden your heart. Confess that sin. And you can find forgiveness in a moment. If you confess it. Now, the last thing I want you to see is mentioned in our text. The Bible says, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, the dead shall rise and the Lord's going to return. And the last thing I want you to see in this message, the person of God can come in a moment. I'm looking for that day. I'm looking for that moment, as 1 Corinthians 15 tells us, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye. First Thessalonians chapter 4, 16 through 17 says, For the Lord Himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with a voice of the archangel, and we shall be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. That could take place this morning. Wouldn't that be wonderful? 
I mean, the person of God could come. Oh, I've stood many times on top of the Mount of Olives where Jesus stood on top after He'd given the disciples the Great Commission and told them to go into all the world and preach the Gospel. And as He stood there, all of a sudden He started to ascend. And the disciples stood there with their mouths open and eyes big. And they heard the heavenly message. Why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus will come in like manner as you've seen him go. Isn't that wonderful? Oh, I want to tell you, I trust the election on Tuesday will turn out the right way. I trust there can be a great change. But listen, far beyond that, I'm looking for a person to come, dear friend, that's going to come, and we're going to be caught up to meet him, and he's going to change things right in heaven and on earth as King of kings and Lord of lords. What a, what a shame. So, dear friend, as I close this morning, and every time you look at your watch, be reminded of these moments. But God has brought you here this morning for these moments. God has brought you here this morning to examine your heart concerning your relationship with Him, whether you're saved or lost. God has brought you here this morning as a Christian to examine your heart. Are you right with Him or not right with Him? God has brought you here for this moment. And the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 6, verse 2, Behold, now is the accepted time. Not later. Now is the accepted time. In Hebrews 3, verses 7 and 8, Wherefore, as the Holy Spirit said, Today... If you hear His voice, harden not your heart. Hebrews 3 and verse 13. Today, lest any of you harden your heart through the deceitfulness of sin. Oh, it's so easy to put off. It's so easy to, uh, to have good intentions. No, God never wants us to have good intentions. God wants us to deal with it and to take care of it now. Now, now I close with this illustration. A plane took off from Warsaw. And as that plane ready to take off, it had 183 people on board that plane from Warsaw. And I've been on board, I suppose, many large planes like that flying across the Pacific or the Atlantic. And I think of what took place on board that plane. A stewardess would come by and ask people, as they were waiting for clearance to take off, what would you like to drink? And I sat there on a plane like that, and I, I heard an individual say, well, I'd like to have a grasshopper. Now, I have no idea what a grasshopper is, other than the one that hops around. But evidently, people know what a drink is. It's called a grasshopper. Another person said, well, I'd like to have a Bloody Mary. And I thought, who wants to drink a Bloody Mary? And several other drinks were, were given. And finally, the cockpit would give word that it was time for the stewards and stewards to take their stuff. And on this plane, taking, ready to take off from Warsaw, the steward and stewards ran, got buckled in, and the plane took off. The most critical time, it seems, when a plane takes off is just those minutes when the wings begin to flop and vibration and so on. And finally, everybody on board that plane realized they were in trouble. Something was going wrong. Something did not seem right. And so they prayed. They prayed, God, 
whatever it is, right the situation on board this plane. And they prayed that the pilot up front would be able to correct the situation. And they waited and waited and waited, praying and waiting from a word from the cockpit. But finally, when they realized all hope was gone, the last words that they heard from the cockpit were these. This is the end. Goodbye. And that plane crashed to the ground, killing 183 people on board. And I began to think as I read that illustration, you know, dear friend, the day's going to come when it's going to be the end. Will it be goodbye? Will it be goodbye forever? If you're unsaved, it'll be goodbye. If you're saved, it's not going to be goodbye. It'll be good morning. Because we'll be in that place of glory. That's why the Bible so clearly tells us that in the next moments, we need to right, make right decisions because we're running out of time. And if you're unsaved this morning, come and accept Him the Savior. If you need to be forgiven, come and kneel at this altar and ask to be forgiven. If you need to surrender this morning to the Lord and to the will of God, don't harden your heart. Simply, yes, Lord, I'll be what you want me to be and do it when we still have the time, we still have the moments to make those decisions. Let's pray together. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I'll not embarrass you. I'll not point you out. But as heads are bowed and eyes are closed, I'm going to ask a couple questions. Question number one, how many of you dear wonderful folk today, as you look into your heart, you say, Preacher, I do know for sure I'm saved. I can tell you when I got saved. I can tell you where I got saved. If you know that for sure today, and you're not ashamed of it, nobody look around. You'll slip your hand up right now. Yes, I know. Yes, I know. Yes, I know. Raise your hand heavenward. God bless you. God bless you. I see the many hands. Now, perhaps you didn't raise your hand. Maybe you didn't want to. Or perhaps deep in your heart, if you're honest, you say, Preacher, I'm not sure I'm saved. I'm not sure if death were to knock at my door in the next moment. I'd be in heaven. But I'd like to know, would you pray for me? And his heads are bowed, eyes are closed. You slip your hand up. Mom, dad, teenager, boy, girl, adult. Pray for me. Is there someone like that this morning? As God speaks to hearts in this auditorium. Anyone? Anyone? As heads are bowed, as you're a Christian here, you say, Preacher, I am saved. I know I'm saved. But there's some things in my heart and life that are not right. There's sin that needs to be confessed. There's some victories I need to claim. There's some decisions I need to make in the next moments. Would you pray for me? And I'll do just that. You'll slip your hand up right now. And let me pray for you. Never be embarrassed about lifting a hand to the Savior and place it in His hand. Someone, I see that hand. God bless you. I see those hands. God bless you. Just raise them and add to the Savior. Yes, there's some things in my heart and life I need to deal with. Would you pray for me? That's the least I can do is to pray for you. Someone else. Someone else. Heavenly Father, you know every heart of every person here. We can hide from one another, but we can't hide from Thee. 
Now, Lord, I'm thankful for these that raised their hand. I pray for some perhaps that didn't. Lord, they've got some decisions they need to make in the next moments. They need to be forgiven in the next moments. Lord, would you speak to them? Would you uh, cause them the urgency of time that we only have the moments now to make decisions for Christ? Speak to us, and we'll praise you and love you. We pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Let's turn our handbook to four.